This is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, and welcome to Season 6 of Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. The show is brought to you by Salesforce Marketing Cloud, inspiring one-to-one connections with your customers with social, mobile, email, web, and advertising. The show is also brought to you by Yext, whose award-winning location management platform helps companies of all sizes drive more foot traffic to their doors and get more customer reviews. And by Convince and Convert, social media strategy advisors and counselors to the world's most interesting brands. Convince and Convert makes your social better. My co-host for the show is Mr. Adam Brown. Find all links, archives, and more at socialpros.com. Pros, are you ready? Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to Social Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. I am, as always, Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, joined, as usual, by my special Texas friend. He clocks in as the executive strategist for Salesforce Marketing Cloud, hailing from the great city of Austin, Texas. Put your hands together, unless you're driving, for Mr. Adam Brown. Jay, great, great, to, uh, great to speak with you. I don't think I've ever been... Brought into a a podcast with the term "clocked in," so I, I like that. I'm going to yeah. try very hard not to go in overtime. Um, yeah, you you yeah. bring your lunchbox to to work every day. Can't, you know, can't go over forty the, hours. You know, there's uh, sit in that digital break room, baby. Yeah, the, the the supervisor will will get on me for that. But no, glad to be here. Glad to be in uh, again, Austin, and glad to be a social pro. You are indeed. You're an OG social pro. You've been doing this a long time. Yeah. Well, but but yeah. Just like you, my friend. Just like you. You've been doing it so long, you almost would need a compass to find the backstory of your job history. And fortunately, what today's a special guest, thank you, today's a special guest could help you with that and a lot more. She is the global digital advertising and social media manager from Garmin. It is Carla Meyer. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. We're delighted to have you. Uh, do you have some sort of like wayfinding device right now? Can you give me your precise latitude and longitude as we're doing this show? Uh, you know, no, I don't have anything sitting here. We always joke like when I get into Weak. my car or, you know, our coworkers were like, wait, where are we going? We're like, oh, my God, we work at Garmin. We should know where we're going. Yeah. If you guys get lost, that is super, super. <laughs> it's all on you. <laughs> yeah. That is a bad brand experience. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Took a wrong turn. Wah, wah. <laughs> Tell everybody who listens to Social Pros all the things that Garmin does, because it's more than they think. Yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, when I started working here, um, I actually knew we had running products. My dad's a runner. And so, um, you know, I grew up around the running products. And then obviously, um, the in-car device, the Garmin um, Drive, um, used to be the new V. And so, you know, I was very familiar with those products. But um, once I started working here, discovered um, we actually were founded in aviation. So we completely have a whole line of aviation products. We have a line of marine products. So you think boats, obviously they need to know where they're going. Um, and then outdoor products and, um, you know, fishing, hunting, um, hiking. I mean, we everything. And then obviously, um, our fitness products with running watches and, um, wearables now and activity trackers. And we even have, um, a kid's activity tracker now too. So, um, I mean, it's, you have to be very schizophrenic when you (laughs) work on all of these things because it's, it's awesome because you really have to just really, um, you know, you can, you can change what you're working on in in a matter of seconds and and focus on a completely different market. And do you have a different 
array of products outside the U.S. Is the, is the global side of that uh, fairly different from a product category perspective? No, um, globally, we, we actually um, sell and market um, much of the same products. Some might be a little more limited um, depending on, you know, different regulations globally and things like that. But essentially, I mean, it's, it's the same globally. Let's talk a little bit about your, your job role. It is very comprehensive. You are in charge of a, fr- a frankly, a frightening number of things uh, in, in your organization. Whatever they're paying you, it's not enough. Uh, tell, tell the folks listening all the stuff that you are in charge of, because it's a long list. Yeah, so it's been a little bit crazy when I arrived um, at Garmin, you know, three and a half years ago, it was sort of, um, you know, kind of there for, for the taking, it was it was ready to evolve. And, um, you know, we had a great base, but certainly they weren't using social for social marketing and, and digital advertising wasn't, you know, where um, I felt personally that it should be. And so, um, you know, I just came in and, and we started building. So I manage um, our digital advertising strategy. Um, and then I also manage paid social um, and then organic social. Um, the blog fits under that. So I have content creators on my team. Um, I also do paid search. So um, we have a varied team, but it's actually really great because um, we have, uh, you know, we're all working together. And so we, we definitely run the gamut on the online footprint um, for Garmin. So while it seems like a lot, it, it definitely makes sense because we all work together in the same space. It's interesting that you have both digital display, uh, so so in banners and such and videos, and paid social and paid search. That that triangle in in one person's hands is is frankly unusual, uh, but maybe it shouldn't be. Maybe maybe it makes a lot of sense to to do that within the same group, so you can cross pollinate and uh, do a lot of custom audiences and and do message testing in different places and all those kind of things. Maybe it is actually much more efficient, and and nobody has figured that out yet. What what do you think? Yeah, you know, um, we've been really fortunate. So we, um, you know, we run as an internal agency. So um, I don't have a lot of outside help. And we run a pretty lean team, um, you know, internally. And it's, it's been good for us. Because um, another thing that we've worked really hard at while we have, um, you know, things cross pollinating as far as our media strategy, um, we also are working really closely, you know, with our creative teams. And so they're actually, um, we bridged the gap this past year and brought them into it. And so um, when we, as we're looking at how we're planning um, our media, um, you know, digitally and socially, we're, we're certainly building that strategy with creatives at the table too. And so, you know, for us, it just makes a lot of sense because, you know, we're able to see, okay, here are the assets that we're running to run in the different pieces or the different channels. Um, but then we're able to look at it very comprehensively. And, you know, people talk about 360 planning and, um, you know, integrated campaigns, yada, yada, but we actually really try to build them that way. And we are all, you know, at the same at the table at the same time doing it. And so for us, it, it's pretty efficient, um, I feel like. And, um, you know, we've got someone who understands and knows what's going on in all the channels. So we can, I can look at it, you know, holistically and say, okay, this makes sense, or maybe we should shift here. Um, and it also allows us to be pretty nimble and look at data very quickly and, and make shifts where we need to. I think, you know, in today's world, it's so important to be able to be like, okay, this is working, this is not working. All right, let's, let's adjust. And, and move and, and get going again. So, um, you know, for us, it seems to work. 
I noticed when we were prepping for the show that you have a quarter million fans on Instagram, which is fantastic, and doing wow. some great photography there. How how did you get all those fans? I mean, that's a lot of people. Was it just, yeah. hey, we're going to keep posting good photos and people are going to share it and they're going to organically just build and it went from 1,000 to 5 to 10 to 11 to 12 just day after day? Or did you have some sort of follow us on Instagram campaign? How did you launch that channel? Yeah, you know, Instagram has been a lot of fun. So that was kind of my baby. When I came, we really literally had like a thousand fans and um, we didn't even have the name Garmin. Um, So it was like my mission for a year to get Garmin as our handle. It used to be, I think, Garmin Picks or something. And somebody was squatting on our name and I was like, this is unacceptable. We have to have Garmin. So finally I got the name Garmin. But for me, for Instagram, it was really to kind of look at, you know, what was working in that channel? Um, You know, what were the other what we're making the other big brands successful. Um, and for us, like we have such a passionate user base. And so it really was about the UGC. Um, you know, people love, love, love their garments and we call them wristy shots. Um, we don't call them selfies. We call them wristies because people share wrist shots of their device and in these beautiful places and where their garment has taken them on their adventure. And, it's really exciting. And, and, and for us, it was really about that lifestyle and capturing those moments and sharing that. Um, and so we really started to make a concerted effort to not only share some of Garmin pictures, but really focus on um, these advocates and these people who love our products, but were obviously adventurous and even photographers. And, you know, they were out there taking these pictures for us. So we were very, very fortunate that a lot of that content is from our users. We didn't have to do it. Um, We just had to find it. And so many of them agreed to share with us. And so that's really how we grew that community there. Um, is by sharing their own content. And and it's been such a fun thing to see and grow. And, you know, we have the Garmin account, like you said, that has, you know, two, I don't know, 250, 260 um, on it. But we also have like Garmin Fitness, Garmin Outdoor, Garmin Fish Hunt. So we're also customizing all of those channels too. Um, but for us, it wasn't like, you know, follow us on Instagram. It really was just kind of um, a more organic movement. And we intentionally... Um, made the effort to share our advocates' pictures and our biggest fans. Wow. Just just put good content out there that's yep. real, mm-hmm. that is not fake, that's content created by actual people who are advocates, and eventually good things will happen. That's a terrific lesson, I think, for everybody listening to the show. From a social perspective, what what do you feel like the objective is? Is it... Is it brand advocacy and keeping those people who like you motivated? Is it awareness generation? Is it driving people to e-commerce or a retail partner? Is it all of those kind of what's the what's the strategic thrust for social in the organization? Yeah, I would say yes, yes, and yes to all of those. So, um, you know, obviously I'm looking at both, you know, paid and organic. <clears throat> um, and so, you know, for us, we do, we're, we're in more competitive markets than we have been before. So if you take our wellness products um, or even, you know, wearable smartwatches, it's a very competitive market. And so, you know, we're definitely driving for awareness um, in those categories. But certainly, you know, we're hoping to move people down the funnel as well. So, um, you know, for us, I, I guess it would start, you know, on the paid side, we're definitely looking at a full funnel approach. I mean, we know people are living on Facebook. You think about, you know, in the US, the average person spending, I think now 57 minutes or something on Facebook a day. Um, And so you think about that and, 
And where else do you get that kind of one-on-one attention with a with you know an audience? Um, it's pretty incredible. And so we're trying to think of ways to reach our audience and, um, you know, definitely uh, make them aware of our products and, and hopefully motivate them to, to purchase a product. Um, and then, you know, when we think about it on the content side, you know, we have a lot of amazing ambassadors that we work with and we're certainly looking to engage our audience. We have great athletes that we work with as well and events and, um, you know, we're certainly looking to keep that, um, audience motivated or the community around it. Um, you know, we use, um, the tagline beat yesterday and that's, that's really what we're trying to motivate our consumers is to, you know, use their devices, track yourself, beat yesterday, be better. And so when we look at that from the content side, you know, we're really looking for, um, ambassadors or, you know, the content folks on my team, um, you know, what's that kind of more authentic content that isn't all about the ads that maybe we might be running on the other side. You talked about Facebook and and the nearly one hour per day that people spend on Facebook on average. On the paid side, they continue to, I guess, innovate is one of the words you could use for it. Um, Change their mind. It could be a different word used. Uh, There's there's several ways to (laughs) describe. There's several ways to describe it. I find it frustrating on on our side, and and I, I wonder if you do as well that it's different all the time, right? That there's always a new ad format and always a new targeting option and always a new thing. I mean, it feels like every 15 days, there's a new thing that you have to learn. And I guess that's job security for everybody listening to the show. But that I think can get a little bit frustrating. What do you think? I actually think it's exciting, right? It keeps us on our toes. Um, you know, for me, you don't have the chance to get bored, right? You you got to pay attention, or we you're going to be right. behind. <laughs> um, and so, for for me, I think it's it's an exciting opportunity. I mean, you know, I kind of talk about this, um, you know, when speaking to other folks. But you know, we have this challenge. You know, we've always talked about it's going to eventually be a mobile first world. Yada. I mean, it's here, right? Um, you know, we talked about it, and then boom, we're here, and people are consuming the way that their consumption is. It's definitely you know mobile first, and so now we have to think about. How do we fit those biggest ideas into the palm of your hands? And so it's it's awesome to for me to to think about that with our creative folks, and and that's our challenge. And how do we reach people and engage them? And yeah, I mean it is always changing, um, but I think that's the cool part. I mean you think about even how Snapchat has come in and changed the landscape completely, right? Um, I am so excited to think about like VR and 360 and those ad formats, um, you know, and, and thinking about how, how do we use this great little thing in your hand nonstop. We're all addicted to it, right? It, we're never without it. Um, and so it, to me, I think, it, I think it's exciting versus annoying. You work with tons of retailers. Your products are sold in many different places by many different companies how does that work in social? So if, if a retail organization says, we want to do a partnership with Garmin to focus on this particular product on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter or what have you, do they reach out to you and your team and you sit down and kind of hash that out? Or what, what is that process? It, it's always interesting to me, kind of the channel conflict when, when people are in manufacturing as you are. 
Yeah, so, you know, that's definitely a more complicated topic for us. Um, you know, we have certainly um, leading retailers, you know, the big box stores, but we also have a lot of, you know, mom and pop shops. You think about all the custom, um, you know, retailers and running shops and things like that. And so, um, you know, the, it, it's a balance for us. We do... Um, Occasionally with retailers, so for instance, um, we'll have an exclusive deal with a retailer. Um, that's probably a little more prominent opportunity for us to work um, directly with a retailer and run a promotion um, on social. But um, you know what we've put the emphasis on, honestly, for us um, is working with you know kind of like-minded brands. So we'll do partnerships, um, you know, with other brands such as you know Saucony or. Um, Bob strollers or things like that that makes sense from an audience perspective, um, you know, for us that that fans kind of cross pollinate and cross promote. So, um, but retailers is definitely a little more tricky because certainly um, we have a lot of retailers and it, and it's hard to you know call out every single one of them. Um, and so typically, you know, we'll we'll work with um, kind of uh, the main ones, um, but then too, if we have an exclusive deal. Um, you know, as far as an exclusive product coming from them, that's that's definitely something we'll focus on too. Carla, you mentioned those multiple partners, multiple retailers, uh, multiple platforms upon which you you market your your, your multiple products that are go everywhere from from GPS devices for your car to wrist devices to, as you said, you know, kid trackers and, and the likes. I know, you know, over the past couple of months, you know, it's probably starting with Christmas, you'd see your TV ads for your, your automotive products. You look in a running magazine, you see, you see the, new, uh, the new watches and, and, and smart watches and things like that. How, as, uh, as, as director of the, the trifecta of display, social, and, uh, and SEO activities, how do you begin to kind of create a plan and then kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a multimedia mix of all the budget that you're spending? Where do you start? And then kind of how do you go from there in terms of planning this out, not just with the bu- budget, but also the allocation of the resources of your very important team? Yeah, um, you know, we have we basically run all the different segments as as different business units, right? So, um, you know, I'm typically looking at a media plan um, for each segment instead of you know as a brand as a whole because we know you know the audiences are very different from segment to segment. So, so a segment know, being like your automotive products versus correct. your running products. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we'll look at those folks very differently, right? Um, but then when we look at the media breakdown, so we're definitely trying to understand you know who's the audience we're trying to reach. And so we know some products, you know, they'll skew younger, right? And so, um, you know, the TV buy might not be um, as great, but we know they're on digital, right? So there's a lot of millennials who never even watch TV. They don't even have one, right? Everything is consumed on their phone or their iPad. Um, or their computer. And so um, we know the media mix is, is definitely different there. Um, and then from that, you know, we'll look at history. So data is really important to us. Um, and so I'm definitely, you know, constantly trying to evaluate performance and data, um, you know, looking at um, what key learnings there are from what's what we've done in the past and, and what we can take forward um, into new campaigns. Um, but then we also, um, we use a lot of what's available in um, the platform. So for instance, you know, with Facebook um, and, and Instagram, you can cross platform promote. Um, we'll definitely do, so for instance, I think about the the Phoenix 3 campaign we ran last year, um, our Instagram audience was 
awesome and engaged. Um, but at the time, Instagram wasn't a more DR focused um, platform for us. And so we actually ran video ads on Instagram to our audience there. And then we ended up pulling them over and retargeting on Facebook. And what was great about that was then, you know, certainly we could create custom audiences off of that. But then as we started to segment down, then we were able to um, scale to lookalike audiences. And so, you know, there's certain places that we know audience will audiences will live more than say another platform. And so that's really how we kind of start to look at the media mix and, and what makes sense. Um, and to, you know, from the full funnel approach, you know, we're definitely allocating certain pieces, you know, we know search needs to do X amount, we know, um, you know, with display, okay, we have some video ads that we're going to run on display, or we're doing a YouTube takeover or whatnot. But then all the kind of starring components that go around those kind of takeover opportunities too. Um, but social is, is certainly a key um, piece of every campaign for us because it's, we have such rich targeting there. Um, and it, it's certainly more one-on-one on one and we can personalize it too. Have you found that the uh, social platforms, when you go back, as you said, looking at your data, the social platforms where you've had success from an organic standpoint are the same ones where you have the same level of efficacy uh, you know, with, with paid? Or are you, are you finding that there are some platforms where, okay, this is really effective from us from a paid standpoint, you know, like you mentioned with like audiences and doing custom audiences with, with Facebook. And then other platforms, you're like, you know, that's only a paid uh, platform for us. So that's only an organic platform for us. How do you kind of wrestle with paid versus, um, you know, earned and owned on, on specific platforms? Yeah, we um, certainly look at all the different platforms and each one has their purpose. We we try not to run, you know, the exact same content on all platforms because it just, it doesn't work for us. Um, we know audiences behave differently, um, you know, w- with different content as well. And, and I think too, you know, if you talk how great Facebook's targeting is, um, the organic reach on Facebook is not great, right? Um, and so, uh, even you think about Snapchat, you know, they, their strategy is obviously moving into paid. And, um, you know, with Snapchat, they don't really care if brands are posting organic content. They That's not what they see Snapchat for. You know, they're considered the network of friends. And so they don't really put a priority on people hearing from brands. They want to incorporate that into the ad pieces, right? I also think, um, you know, Twitter is so real time, right? And so um, we see definitely more real time coverage events. That's what works for us on Twitter. It's not, you know, or product announcements, things like that. Um, You know, and we see less effective content in other areas that aren't um, kind of in the now on Twitter. So um, we definitely see (laughs) different purposes for different platforms. As you go in and, and, and sit down with uh, your, either your, your chief marketing officer or chief communications officer, um, I can assume, because this is true for almost any organization these days, they're beginning to see that the digital side of things is getting more of the, the media mix allocation. We're taking money from newspaper or print, we're giving it to, uh, to digital. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surmise that that is, that is similar. My question for you, Carla, though, as... As you go into these meetings um, and you look at your annual budgets and things like that, how has the perception of the folks that are managing the more traditional or broadcast budgets 
um, changed? Are they are they having a different level of respect for social and digital? Uh, is it an easier conversation now when you kind of play the tug of war for budget? Uh, about the same. Just curious, kind of how it feels here in 2017. <laughs> I don't know if I should answer that honestly. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I don't know who's going to be listening to this. Um, you know, we we definitely played the tug of war. I think probably like any organization. Um, you know, certainly there is there's still you know a lot of value for us in print. Um, you think about. I mean, we're in very endemic. Um, markets, you know, you, you think about aviation and, and the target consumer for that, um, you know, is probably a little less digital than, um, you know, someone who's in the market for a smartwatch. So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely, you know, give and take. Um, and, and certainly, you know, it's not like suddenly we have a new magical budget for digital and social, you know, we've, we've got the same money, and we have to figure out how to reallocate it. And so, you know, I think, um, as an organization, you know, it's definitely there's, there's been a priority put on, um, you know, digital and social, and how do we do it? How do we reach them? But I think for me, um, you know, it, it's also been about bringing the data to prove it. Yeah, we can say everyone's doing it, everyone's doing it, but why should we do it? Um, and so that's been, you know, for me, that's where data has been really important to help people understand, you know, this is what you can get when you use, um, you know, digital and social media. And and it's measurable and trackable. And you you can also take this and use it going forward in future campaigns as well. Um, and so that's that's been kind of the beauty of it. Um, you know, it's also a double-edged sword too, because, you know, if something doesn't go as well as you want, you still have to report on it. <laughs> but, in, you know, in other traditional methods, there's no reporting. So you, you don't really know. Um, the effectiveness. But, um, you know, f- for us, you know, I mean, there's definitely difficult conversations, right? Um, and I don't want everyone, but certainly I've, I've tried to use data as my friend to, um, you know, swing the votes. <laughs> well, sure. And it's one that, it's one that, as you said, it can sometimes be the thorn in your side, but it's usually one of the greatest a- assets that yep. we have is the, the, the volume of, of data. I've got one more question, Carla, for you before, uh, before I hand it back off to, uh, to, to Jay. And you, know, you being in a high technology company like Garmin, you're probably always working on a new product launch. I mean, you're, you know, each product has a TikTok you know, strategy. We're going to refresh. We're going to have 2.0, 3.0 of this particular uh, product. In fact, you're, you're, even your naming convention for a lot of your products kind of works that way. I'm curious kind of what your flow chart or your plan looks like for like a new product launch? Is there a very prescriptive way that you look at and approach it? And where do you get involved as it relates to the other marketers and the, and the product and merchandisers to kind of set that up, make sure that you're you know, kind of doing the product tease at the right time, you're doing the product launch, certainly simultaneously, and then kind of keeping that bookend of, of, of conversation going to hopefully to drive awareness and drive, uh, and drive clicks and, and purchases. What does that kind of look like? And how do you keep so many of those in the air? Because I'm sure at any given time, you probably have a dozen products that are in development about to launch. 
Mm -hmm. We do. We have a ton of products, and especially when you consider, you know, all five, um, you know, lines of business for us, there's always something coming and multiple something's coming. Um, you know, that's uh, the one great thing I will say, you know, as far as Garmin, the fabric of Garmin is, is engineering. And so they're always innovating and coming up with something new, um, you know, and for us, it's it's definitely been an evolution and education process um, to, to really bring um, social to the table early. And so, um, we work with, you know, we, we definitely, we go and sit in the engineers, um, you know, all hands. So we know even what's being developed a year, two years out in the roadmap. Um, and so, you know, we're in on it from the very front and we're thinking about it and how is this being going to be positioned or what are the new features? And so we can actually go back and, you know, kind of look in social and say, okay, here's some of the, you know, maybe, um, spots where we see challenges from consumers or, you know, a complaint or a suggestion or something like that and, and start to really kind of relay that and think about that in messaging as new products are coming out and maybe addressing some of those. Um, and so we can start to think about what is our our supporting content look like and um you know but we're we're in on the front you know when they're doing product marketing plans and you know early on positioning to then um you know here creative plays a really big role um in, in advertising and strategy and so you know we're we're working very closely um with the creative and so we're able to get the assets um to help you know with some of those messages that that we know will resonate um with the consumers and so um we're definitely definitely and early on in the conversation now and 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 even how we're using you know some of our ambassadors to test products and things like that so social certainly very close um to the process i love the fact that you're involved that early in the product development scheme that is yeah. spectacular because usually it's like hey guys we're doing a launch in like 10 days so if you want to <laughs> yeah cook up some facebook ads that'd be dope uh, yeah, that's, that's usually lie, how that's, it works that's how it used to be <laughs> yeah good for you way to way to train those people you go <laughs> I, you know, I will say it was a collaborative effort. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who wanted it at the table, but, you know, it used to be that. I don't think people understood. You're like, hey, can you just go post this on social? Like, okay, well, do you want me just to post words? Because no one's going to give it, you know, what about that? Yeah. I need some assets. And exactly. We have to create something and think about, you know, now with video and, you know, how, how can we do this? And so, um, you know, people are, are really um, eager. I think they, they love to see um, the products and social. And like I said, you know, with wristy shots and stuff, I mean, they know when they have a home run product because they can easily go out there and, and see it. And, and, you know, the, the engineers can see it. And, and that's, I will say one of the beautiful things about the engineers here is they actually are users. Like it's not rare to go out at lunchtime and see engineers leaving the building with three or four watches on their wrist because they're testing everything. And, um, you know, they, they really do, practice what they preach and so they understand when they have a home run product and and then it's popular and social and and you know they want to see that that excitement and um that kind of community around it as well i love that idea of using using social to celebrate victories internally that's really terrific and so many of your products of course are used in an out-of-home environment in a mobile environment and one of our sponsors of the show is the leader in mobile marketing solutions it's our pals at yext y-e-x-t they have a terrific ebook out now that's all about how location 
and search are becoming the same thing because as people use smartphones to find a restaurant, to find a retail location, to see when the hours are open, that impacts your search engine results and vice versa. If you have a business that has a doorway that customers walk through, you need to read this ebook. Go to offers.yext.com slash location world offers.yext.com slash location world download for me download that for me you will appreciate it also this week the show is brought to you by sales force marketing cloud who employ my co-host adam brown in addition to that feather in their cap, they have their own terrific new ebook they just came out with recently called The Future of Ads. And it's all about the baseline effectiveness ratios in social and digital advertising, the kind of things that Carla does every day. So they'll give you charts in this report on global ad spend and appropriate click-through rates for Facebook ads, Google ads, Instagram ads, etc. Uh, they'll tell you in this book how to increase your return on ad spend using CRM data, all kinds of cool case studies and use cases on lookalike ads, on retargeting ads, good stuff in there for, for folks who are involved in paid social in particular. Go to bit.ly slash Salesforce ads. That's bit.ly slash Salesforce ads and grab yourself a free copy of that. Show is also brought to you by Convince and Convert Media, the media division of my Convince and Convert company. We produce not only this show, Social Pros, but also our sister shows, Content Pros for content marketing professionals, Influence Pros for influence marketing professionals, The Business of Story the Convince and Convert podcast, and returning for 2017, Jay Today, my twice-weekly video podcast. Just three or four minutes each episode twice a week. Go to jtoday.tv to subscribe. Adam, back to you. Jay, thank you. And wow, I mean, the uh, the volume of, of, of publications of content that you and your team are creating at Convince and Convert, nothing short of spectacular, Jay. So so kudos to you, my my good friend. Thank you, sir. Carla, great to have you on the show. And uh, one of the things that really interested me as I went through kind of our, our, our pre-show was, you know, understanding that you are a voracious runner, you and your daughter. And my, my question is, you know, has that been enhanced at all by, by working at Garmin? I mean, is it the tail wagging the dog that you go to a, a company that in many cases manufactures some of the greatest kind of running watches and, and other uh, technology? Um, you know, is that helping you become a better runner or were you already a pretty, pretty excited, uh, enthusiastic runner before joining the organization? Yeah, I grew up, um, my dad's a runner. And so, like I said, I, I grew up around Garmin products. I wouldn't call myself a great runner. I'm a slow runner, but I like to run. So, um, you know, for me, it's, it's been really awesome to have access to all of these amazing, you know, running watches, wearables. Um, and then, you know, my daughter's nine and, and I think about how, you know, important activity and nutrition is because, you know, the things that I market on, you know, mobile devices, they want to spend so much time on those. And so, um, you know, to see her put on her Garmin watch and, um, you know, talk about that with her friends and, you know, it's her goal. She's, she's running a race every single month this year. That's her new year's goal. And, um, you know, I try to run, you know, anywhere between four and six half marathons a year. And, um, you know, it's one of those things where I can look at my data and it, and it's actually great. I can look at it in a year in review. And, you know, it's, it's certainly something to be proud about for me running my therapy. Um, and so I, I'm never really looking 
so much at time. Um, as I am, you know, I, I say when I'm at races, I'm there to complete, not compete. Um, but it, it's always nice to go back and look at my data, um, not only from just a mileage run um, standpoint, but, you know, where am I getting better now? Obviously, with risk-based heart rate and things like that, um, I can track all of those things. And, and and I will say, you know, having access to all these devices has been great and I think drives me more. Um, you know, I, I didn't, before I worked at Garmin, I did not run um, as much as I do now. Um, but it's been, it's, it's been a good marriage for me, um, here because I am so passionate about the products. And, and so it just makes my job that much easier because I love what I do, but I I love the products that I work on. Well, kudos to you and your, and your daughter, uh, you know, committing to at nine years old to do a 5k every month for, for the year. That's, that is just fantastic. And I want to kind of, uh, double click on that if, if you will, um, you, you mentioned your your your, your nine year old putting her uh, her wearable on every morning and things like that, and we all know the statistics and facts around you know young people and older people like you know our, our, our lifestyles are getting more sedentary and, and and things like that. But you know the gamification, if you will, of running and outdoor activities because in, in many instances because of wearables. You know, is it is it having an impact? I mean, will we look at you know the the young people right now, like your daughter's age, that will have a different kind of outlook and approach on active lifestyles because of organizations like like Garmin? Is that is that just purely aspirational, or is there any data that maybe shows that that could that could be the case? Yeah, I mean, for us, you know, we and and I obviously look at my daughter's stuff very closely, but you know, our accounts are linked, and so you know, we love to sync our data at the end of the day. Like, who's got more steps? And you know, it's it's fun for us, and especially like if we go to Disney World, I mean, she kicks our butt, right? Because it takes three steps to like our <laughs> one, so she absolutely loves you know doing that because you know she's like, I know I'm gonna beat you. Um, and so so for us, I I definitely see her moving more. She wants to beat you know myself and. And, um, you know, her dad and, um, you know, my son who's three, you know, he's, he's wanting to wear one already. Um, he wants to play too. And, you know, with our Vivo Fit Junior product, I mean, it, there is an app and it is gamified for them. And, you know, points are, are tied to, you know, rewards and, and different things like that. And so, um, you know, that, that's what we're hoping for is obviously to keep them moving and, um, you know, challenge each other. She has, you know, other kids in her class who wear the Vivo Fit Junior device or, even in a competitor brand. And, um, you know, they are all working towards, and it's funny, you know, their teachers, um, now at certain points of class, like they make them take them off because they've noticed the kids sitting there, like, um, wanting to swing their arms or whatever, because they want to win. Um, and so, you know, we're definitely seeing kind of that, uh, you know, I think landscape change a little bit for kids to really help them understand, um, you know, what an active lifestyle is, but, you know, I I think it's that, but it's also coupled, I think with, with education from parents too. And, 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 and it's the food choices as well. Right. I mean, it's the, it's the complete picture, but, um, you know, calories out. mm -hmm, Exactly. And, you know, I will say, even with my nine-year-old trying to help her understand the difference between, um, food for fuel or food for fun, right. So you think about sugar, um, versus something healthy that's going to fuel your body. Um, and just, you know, that whole concept. But then, too, how does activity help you, um, you know, balance that out? And so, you know, for her, I love that she's nine and she's getting it. You know, she wants to see how many steps she's had, how much have I been active and, um, you know, from day to day. And she's monitoring her sleep, too. Like, she's she's seeing, you know, how, how many hours am I sleeping and is that good or bad? And, you know, learning about her body um, and, and what makes it 
healthy. So um, I think it's it's an exciting thing, you know, for for many companies who, you know, are um, kind of helping drive that digital health piece. Carla, I wanted to ask you one interesting question about your background, which is that you worked at ESPN at one point, and you also also worked at the National Association of Basketball Coaches. So are you a huge hoops fan, or are those just uh, coincidental Venn diagrams? Certainly not coincidental. I am a Jayhawk girl through and through. Oh, God. I <laughs> know. Uh, big win last night. So is, is Bill Self your favorite basketball coach of all time? <laughs> Um, no, I think John Wooden is, I love, I love coach self, nothing taken away from him, but certainly John Wooden is, is somebody to be, you know, he's amazing. Yeah. Baller. Um, as a person. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was fortunate when I worked at the NABC to get to know him and his family. And I just, uh, I've never met a person who is so genuine and just amazing. I think in, in his leadership style, um, and his approach to life, um, it's pretty incredible. So he would definitely be my answer. <laughs> what a very cool job. You also mentioned off air that you are a Disney fanatic. Now, in what, in what context? Like you like to go to Walt Disney World, you watch Disney movies, uh, you go on Disney cruises, or just because ESPN is owned by Disney, so they paid, you, <laughs> paid your salary at one point. Like it, what, how was that fanaticism manifested? Yeah, we go to Disney quite a bit. Like I live in Kansas City, but I'm an annual pass holder. So, you know, wow. not, I know it's not like I go you, there. you are flagged in that database. I guarantee it. <laughs> I, I wonder if they know Heike from our show last week. Yeah, well, I was going to say, yeah, she uh, uh, <laughs> Heike Young from from Salesforce is one of Adam's uh, colleagues. Uh, two weeks ago on this podcast, we discovered that for a time for like a couple years, wasn't it? She was Sleeping Beauty for reals. Like she was <laughs> Sleeping Beauty at the park. So maybe awesome. at one point you could have interacted with her. Who knew? Maybe, maybe. I like it. Um, no, I mean, I always joke, like, when I grow up, I want to be one of the Disney social media moms, right? Part of that group. Um, yes. Yeah. Group of 20, <laughs> like, yeah. Please. Um, you know, but it's, I, I just love it. You know, I was having this discussion with um, uh, someone this morning about Disney World and 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 just Disney in general. And, and I just said, you know, where else in the world can you go right now where everything's perfect. And, you know, if you're in a bubble for a couple of days and you're happy and your kids have no idea, like I think about my Facebook feed right now and all the stuff I don't want to see in it. And, and you get to get away from that. And I just, I love the spirit of it. And truly from a marketing standpoint, what they accomplish every day is phenomenal. Um, you know, I've, I've read a couple of their customer service books and stuff. And it, it is truly, it's, it's crazy to think, you know, these, these things lived in, you know, Walt Disney's mind. And somehow he has created this iconic, um, you know, destination. And, and you think about everything else that goes into it, like you said, with the movies and things like that. But it's just, it's for me. It's it's great. It's fun. I love it. Um, my family loves it. I was in Disney World last week, actually, at the uh, socialmedia.org conference. Do you always I, go to the? Do you always go to the world, or do you go to the land? Um, so we typically go to World, but I'm actually we're taking a family vacation to Disneyland next week. So um, nice. Wow. Yeah. I'd be interested to know what you think. Uh, I'm I'm a land guy. I grew up in Arizona, so okay. for us, you know, land was kind of a, a, a no brainer, and World was a world away. Yeah. Uh, and and so you know, land much smaller. Smaller, uh, but I think it's much more quaint and approachable and, yeah. and less 
and less nutso uh, just yeah. in terms of crowds and, and logistics. So I'll be interested to see what you think. Yeah, that's actually why we're going there. I have a three-year-old. So anybody with a three-year-old knows like, oh my God, um, he's crazy. So I love him, but he we did Disney World this summer and it was just, we were like, oh my gosh, what have we done to ourselves? And so um, that's why we're going to Disneyland is because we're like, it's smaller. It's, you know, if we need to get back to the hotel, it's easier and things like that. It's right that. there but, across um, the street, yeah. And I think, you know, Cars Land, I mean, awesome. They don't have that in Florida. So we're, we're pretty stoked, ready to see it. Well, if you lose your kid, I know a product that you could buy to help find them. <laughs> uh, made by Garmin. Uh, you could, I'm sure you've got something in the closet there that you could just like strap on the yeah, lad and yeah. it'll be fine. Yeah, we don't do ask the you, child leash. The child leash. You see a lot of child leashes at Disney. That's that's uh, it's fantastic. Especially the ones uh, that look like backpacks and monkeys. <laughs> they're like furry. Yeah. Like, yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. It's, no, uh, we don't do that. Kid camouflage. Yeah, just trying to hide it. I'm going to ask you the two questions that we ask every one of our guests here now six years into this podcast. Uh, The first question, Carla Meyer from Garmin, is what one tip would you give somebody looking to become a social pro? Mm. Oh, gosh, that's really hard. Um, I think that, honestly, you know, go into it uh, listening. I think there's so many pieces to put together. Um, And so, you know, it it takes listening and collaboration. You can't pull social off by yourself. It it can't be a one-man band. There's so much that goes into it. Um, And so I think, you know, you've got to listen, you've got to collaborate in order to accomplish what you want to accomplish in the end. Boy, that's so true. And I think back to the early episodes of the show, right? When the role of the quote unquote social media manager was so much more narrow, right? It was answering blog comments and sending some tweets, right? And now it's, you know, you're in video production and you're a media buyer and you're in customer service and a bunch of other things that didn't used to be on our plate. So that is very well said. Last question for you is if you could do a Skype call with any living person, who would it be? Um, gosh, that one's tough. I, you know, I don't know, you know, I think it would be interesting to Skype with the Pope. Um, I'm not Catholic, but, you know, there's such, uh, I think an importance placed on his position. Um, and, and it is such an important position, but I would love to kind of understand, you know, how does he, how does he tackle his day and, and how does he, you know, it has to be overwhelming when you think about all of the issues and problems that, you know, he kind of deals with. Um, and so I would love to kind of understand his process and, um, you know, how he, uh, leads and and leads with such compassion. Um, I, I think is is always interesting. You know, I can I can have a bad day, but I, I always try to sit back and think about. You know, I deal with you know digital and social media. I'm I'm not saving lives, and um, I, I think it would be interesting to understand um, you know their approach and and how they deal with you know their crisis and their crisis management and things like that. Yeah, great perspective. There is no such thing as a Pinterest emergency. Uh, (laughs) It may seem that way sometimes, but in the big scheme of things, none of this matters. 
Yeah, on that cheery note, the fact that none of our jobs actually matter, we're going to sign off for this episode of Social (laughs) Pros, the podcast for real people doing real work in social media. Carla, thanks so much. You were terrific. Congratulations on all the continued success at Garmin. Uh, Please have a fantastic time at Disneyland. Let us know how you like it in comparison to the world. Begrudging good luck to your Kansas Jayhawks in the forthcoming (laughs) NCAA tournament. As an Arizona grad, perhaps we will square off somewhere down the road. You've broken my heart before. Indeed. I understand. So until next week, I guess, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. I'm Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He's Adam Brown from Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And this has been Social Pros. Thanks for listening to Social Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to socialpros.com for a complete show archive and for our greatest hits. Social Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert. Salesforce Marketing Cloud, and by Yext, and is produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. If you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show, visit us at convinceandconvert.com.